welcome to the Victorious Living Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Nakia Young, and we are so excited about this episode. We have a very important guest in the studio with us today, and that is none other than Nikita Lawrence. Hi, Nikita. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this opportunity and this conversation. Awesome. Thank you for being here. You guys, Miss Nikita has a lot going on here. Let me get into this bio and then we're <laughs> going to jump into this very important episode. So Nikita Lawrence is a best-selling author, motivational keynote speaker, and CEO of Wealth Success Chamber Enterprises, LLC. She helps women and entrepreneurs learn how to maximize their potential, multiply their impact, and maintain a thriving purpose-filled career while living a meaningful life. In 2020, Nikita founded the Wealth Leadership Academy, a global online school to serve women trailblazers who desire to change the world. They learn how to awaken their gifts, ideas, expertise, stories, and strategic business solutions to achieve self-mastery. They discover their inner wealth, build their financial wealth blueprint, and become their best self to experience joyful abundance. Nikita is on a mission to show 1 million women all around the world how to ditch burnout, get unstuck, find their inner wealth, discover their purpose, and unleash their God-given gifts to change the world while experiencing success, wealth, and harmony on their terms in life and work. Lawrence has been featured in Forbes, HuffPost, Reich, Reader's Digest, Thrive Global, and several other publications. She has published 14 journals and five books, including Wake Up Your Gift of Wealth, Bye Bye Burnout, She Decrees, Win the, uh, Win the Day in 90 Seconds, that is, Amazon Bestseller, The Secret of the Wealth Success Chamber, The I Am Wealth Journal, and more. Told y'all, <clears throat> she got a lot going on. She resides, I'm sorry, she's a dynamic woman of faith who resides in Illinois and enjoy spending quality time with her daughter and husband. Apply for your free coaching session today and learn more about this dynamic woman at www.nikitalawrence.com. Yay! (laughs) All right. So today's episode, we're titling how to, I'm sorry, not how to, avoiding a toxic workplace culture. So we're titling it avoiding a toxic workplace culture. So let's get into it. Miss Nikita. So she, you guys, another thing we have to mention, she's been working in consulting, HR, leadership coaching. So she has a lot of experience helping people to develop their workplace culture. Okay. So first question I have for you is what are some of the most commonplace problems in the workplace? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I started my career in HR, um, in retail, actually. Mm -hmm. And so in working, I've been in retail, I've been in um, hospitality, food and beverage, I've been in tech. And what I found in working in many different, um, with many different teams, uh, within different roles or capacities of HR is that the issues really are the same. Like no matter what industry that you're in, whether you're in Um, you know, a corporate setting or you're in, um, you know, a field-based position. I've also worked as a uh, regional employee relations director where all of the, all the issues (laughs) that were (laughs) 
my role was. And so I found that no matter what the industry is, the issues typically are the same. And so it may be things like, um, you know, poor leadership within uh, with managers who are managing people it may be lack of development of people that are put into roles too soon before they're actually able to really be successful it could be um a lack of emotional intelligence okay where we got people that are expected to lead and interact with others but they have no idea how they're being understood um and how to respond well (laughs) to situations that happen um it could also be so i did I did some work years ago where we, in one of the roles I was in, we had a huge issue with turnover and a part of like, we were spending a lot, a lot of money on just turnover cost. And so our role was to get to the bottom of that and to see how we could positively have an impact on retention efforts within our territory. And so I found that some of the reasons for burnout included um, lack of manager support, Mm-hmm. Lack of the proper tools and resources, um, lack of an opportunity for growth, so career opportunities. Um, it could be lack of just engagement with their manager where someone has been hired and they just don't see the manager. Like they don't connect mm. with them. There are not one-on-ones. There is no, you know, <laughs> no yeah. guidance, no presence, yeah. you know, and um, you know, a couple of other things. And so many of the Many of the issues that happen in workplaces are avoidable. Yeah. And I found that, you know, some of the common things that we see are those, right? That I've that I've just shared with you. Mm, very good. So yeah, highly avoidable. I've heard a lot of people talk about how much it costs to train new employees. So you would think that companies have a vested interest in keeping the employers that they the employees that they have. But it's so weird to me how someone who is not an effective manager, who is a tyrant, who no one likes or who had berates their employees or just, you know, just some kind of something is off with this manager is usually allowed to stay in their position for so long. And I'm sitting here thinking, why is that? (laughs) Why do you think that is? That companies would rather hemorrhage employees, you know, like water, than to get rid of a toxic manager or a manager who isn't qualified or whatever the issue may be. So those are many different, that's a layered question, right? (laughs) Pieces. I think from um, when I worked in retail, I found that in having, so I had a territory of a number of different stores within a certain geography across multiple states. And what I found was that in being a part of this like um, executive team or this escalated team, many of the employees felt like we knew all of what was going on. And mm-hmm. we knew that leaders were a certain way or being being um, a certain way. And in many cases, there were some things we may have been aware of, but to the extent of what was actually going on, we were not always even aware. And so one of the first things I say to employees is don't assume that your management team is aware of all of your grievances or what's really going on if you have not spoken up first. Because yeah. what happens sometimes is that there can be this assumption that, well, they know that Johnny is acting a fool and (laughs) 
<laughs> maybe they know Johnny has made some poor choices, but have no idea the fullest extent of what Johnny has been doing that's contributing to a, a toxic work environment or a negative experience for employees. And so one of the first things to always do is to make sure that if your many workplaces have an open door policy. And what that means is that, you know, you can go to a supervisor or to HR to express the concerns. Now, with that, often there can be a hesitation because of a fear of retaliation. Yeah. And well, well, Nikita, if I go to use my open door, what's going to happen to me if y'all don't get rid of this person and I still have to work with them? And so there are typically different policies and procedures or ways to handle um those situations so that it still is protective for the work environment and for the employee, but companies handle those within like the, the sphere of their HR system or their HR practices. And so on the other side of it, just because a manager has made a mistake or done something wrong, it doesn't mean they'll automatically be fired. And I found that many employees will sometimes assume that Nothing is being done because that leader has not been fired. And there are many different stages of discipline or accountability that will happen with leaders that, you know, make mistakes or just flat out have done things that are wrong. Sometimes they're categorized. Other times it could be that um, you have companies that do want to try to not do the right thing, right? And, yeah. and they want to issue a level of discipline that's not appropriate for whatever the the behavior is. I've seen many different examples of both, but in most cases, I've found that most employees are um, feeling, feeling as though the company has done nothing because that person wasn't fired and that's not true. Gotcha. There may be, it may have been that they were disciplined. It could be that they were retrained. It could be that they were, that there are other things happening behind the scenes that employees are not aware of. Now, what I have challenged my managers on is that let's say they have a, let's say I have a senior leader who has a manager who has done something wrong and employees are complaining about it. And they issue discipline and the employee is still complaining, like ain't nothing changed. And then the manager says, well, you know, we're handling, we can't disclose what level of discipline has been issued, yeah. but we're handling it. What I'll challenge that manager on is to say, listen, you need to make sure this behavior is not continuing because if we issue discipline or if we issue whatever accountability to correct the behavior, but it's still going on, that's your problem. It's not just that your employee is saying, we want, we want you to tell us what you did. They want this stuff to stop. Right. And if it has to stop, then it needs to continue to um, progress or look at alternative methods to resolve whatever that situation is. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Now, are there ways for employees to express concerns anonymously? Because I know that is a big thing. Like if I go tell, if I say something, you know, I'm going to be the one, all the higher ups, they all stick together. You know, it can be a very them versus us kind of culture in a lot of these workplaces. So, you know, do people have ways for anonymous reporting? So there should be, it just depends on that company's process, right? But every company has a way for an employee to air whatever their concerns are. Sometimes they're less visible or they're not as clear as they need to be. And so I think the best thing to do is to first contact HR to find out what is the process 
to express a concern, whether it's with their supervisor or with someone else that they're interacting with. And then to also ask that question, what is the process to express this concern anonymously? Many companies will have an ethics hotline where you can call the number and you can request to remain anonymous. Now, the 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 one piece around being anonymous is that because um, I've done many investigations and in being anonymous, you also still have to, the company has a responsibility to get to the facts and to make an appropriate decision on how to resolve that concern. And if that employee is remaining anonymous, then sometimes it can be more challenging to I'd say it's really substantiate or unsubstantiate the facts of what has taken place. And yeah. so it's one of those situations where, yes, you can be anonymous, but you also want to make sure if it's something that you just want people to be aware of is one thing. But if you want there to be a resolution, then you may at some point have to book, you know, get involved. Then you can even also request, hey, you know, that with this particular role I'm in or this situation or environment, I don't really feel as though it's um, allowing me to produce my best work, or maybe I don't really feel safe. So can I be reassigned? That's also an alternative or an option that sometimes is available that I've seen employees don't always explore in, mm -hmm. in getting into a different space and or into a better situation for them personally. Got it. Now, the guy that we talked to uh, earlier in the season, he mentioned that he did just that. So he said, you know, hey, I'm going to, but now this is the caveat to his story was he wasn't a regular employee. He was a con, he was contracted okay. um, by the company. And so he said, you know, let me just go work with someone else at the company um, and there was another person in another department that said, hey, we'd be happy. We, you know, we could use your help over here instead. Mm -hmm. And he was like, great. And that was it. You know, he finished out what he had to do for, you know, the toxic employee. Um, he went to go work for another department and everything was going great. But then the toxic boss from the first department got angry because he left and started all of this stuff, you know, retaliation against him for leaving because she felt that it made her look bad that he was going to another department, which he didn't put on blast. He just moved. <laughs> he could have said a lot, but um, yeah. So what do you do when something like that happens? You just say, okay, I'll just go work somewhere else. And then, you know, you have a narcissistic boss that wants to destroy your reputation within the whole company. Like, oh, if they don't work for me, I don't want them to work anywhere kind of thing. So what I what I think about that and just, I don't have all the information, right? I just have what you just shared with me. So I'm yeah. sure there's more to it, more pieces, <laughs> nuances that we have, that I don't have to explore right now. But I would say that if you have a leader who you believe is intentionally, um, trying to damage your reputation mm -hmm. or negatively impact your ability to work in an organization and you have gone to HR maybe once and then, and then you, you know, with this example being mm -hmm. reassigned um, and then things are continuing to happen, mm -hmm. then the next step is to continue to follow up again to not sometimes 
I was sometimes I think we can be like, oh, that I told them what was going on. I already went through that process. And there is an emotional toll that that is taken anytime someone has to bring up the courage to even give expression that something is wrong. Right. Yeah. And so but being if something is still continuing, then you have to still either go to that person's supervisor or if the HR department is not necessarily responding or if they haven't connected those dots, you can continue to use that open door, you know, to reach the level of leadership that can actually resolve that situation. Um, Or there are some people take legal action. Mm -hmm. um, And some, some people decide that, you know what, the culture of this company doesn't feel aligned to my values because this is continuing to happen. And sometimes the issue is a a particular manager. Other times the issue may be the actual workplace environment and culture that allows certain things to happen. And so I think for anyone that's listening, that's questioning whether or not they're in a toxic work environment or they have, you know, a leader who's not great. Like I've worked for amazing leaders and I've also worked for leaders that were not great at all. And so you have to decide, you know, that you are going to be the CEO of your career. Like you're going to be the leader of your career um, trajectory and no other person can decide how far you go, whether you are an employee in at whatever company you're a part of, or you decide you want to be an entrepreneur, no one gets to decide where you're capped. And if a workplace has allowed a person to keep you limited, then you should explore other opportunities because, you know, we are people of faith, right? Like God Mm -hmm. didn't create us with all of this talent and skill and experience and all these gifts for some man or woman to try to stifle our progress or our success. And so I think in the some of the hardest decisions are making a decision to leave an organization um, after experiencing what felt like, you know, an environment that was not supportive or maybe yeah. um, challenged your um, your confidence mm-hmm. or challenge even how you see yourself. Because when you're in an environment that is not supportive or you have a leader who's negative, it can negatively impact how you see yourself. And that yes. is one of the dangerous things. And so I would say to anyone who is feeling as though they, they may be in this spot or that there's room for them to do more and they're not getting the support, go through the avenues, go through the channels within the organization. And if you're not satisfied with those, or you believe that there's more for you, explore your options, explore them because no one gets to decide that you're, you're capped at in the capacity you're in today, or you're forever subscribed to an environment that may emotionally just be unhealthy for you in the season of life that you're in. Absolutely. I love the way you said that you are the CEO of your work experience. I love that. Love that. Love that. I believe that during the pandemic, that is what a lot of people, the you know conclusion a lot of people came to. And then we saw the great resignation. Um, so where are we with that? Do you think we're coming about to the end of that whole great resignation thing? Or is it still happening just as much as it was at the beginning? You know, where do you think we are? About halfway through or about the same? That's a good question. I would have to do more research on what the numbers are today. Mm -hmm. I know there have been more conversations about layoffs 
than there has been about this great resignation. Yeah. And I think that the a lot of the a lot of what we saw before was just people realigning themselves to what their values actually are, as opposed mm-hmm. to letting companies dictate what their quality of life and what their values should or shouldn't be. And yeah. so we've seen people leaving jobs, either that they were underpaid or underappreciated or lack of flexibility to find roles or opportunities that gave them more of what they needed. And so now where we have all of these layoffs, where there have been quite a few layoffs in specific industries based on, you know, the economy and where we are, we also see other companies that are still hiring and that are doing well and that are looking for really great people. And so I think it's just a time where I always say for people who are in job transition or who are thinking about what's next for them to one, take a step back and to think about, you know, what do you believe your purpose is? Like whenever you're in in the middle of a transition, it's important, I believe, to really take a step back and to get clear about what you believe your purpose is. And from there, then get clear about your vision and then think about the type of work you want to do or the type of skills you want to build in this next phase of your career. And then seek out opportunities, whether they are, Um, new industries, new roles completely, or, you know, very much in alignment with the work that you've done before that can fit the mode of what you need in the season, not just a certain title or a dollar amount of a salary or, you know, really be thoughtful about what you want to learn, what skills you want to build that long-term connect to your career plan. Absolutely. Now, you guys hear everything she said. That goes a lot further than just you know, I'm trying to do this position to make X, Y, Z amount of money. Like your work, because you spend so much time at work, I feel that it should be something that you truly are passionate about. Um, A place where you feel a sense of joy to go and do this task every day. You don't feel dread when you hear your alarm clock ring. Like you're excited to go and do the thing. I mean, that's my personal take on it. What do you think about that? I agree. And I about like the scripture that says joy and sorrow. And I think about how you can be in a role that you are passionate about, that you feel joyful in, but you still have a level of, of stress that you experience. Now we are, you're paused on my screen. Can you still hear me and see me? Okay. I can see you, but you're paused on my screen. So I can hear you fine, but for some reason you're paused on my screen. Oh, there you go. I don't know what happened, but (laughs) we're back in business. (laughs) Okay. So I'll start over from the beginning of that. Um, Okay. What were we talking about though? Remind me. (laughs) (laughs) So it was. Yeah, we're talking about just like how you should be excited to get out of bed and go, you know, do what you do every day or else yes. why are you doing it? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So work is work, right? And and mm-hmm. from the time that we are born to the time that we leave this earth, we'll be working at something. Mm-hmm. And so I believe it's important to understand how you're wired, like what your natural design is, what your natural proclivities are, because that. For example, if I'm someone who, um, let's take the disc, you know, the disc assessment. If I am a high I, which I am, (laughs) 
but I'm in a role that calls for a high uh, C or a high um, S, you know, to come forth. And I am not strong there. If I've built a career that demands a skill set or a, a nat- natural proclivity toward a certain demeanor that I don't possess, I will be unhappy. Yeah. And so I think it's not just about um, like a, a bad boss or a workplace culture that is unhealthy. Um, I think it's also about making sure the role that you've chosen, the path you've chosen is in alignment with who you actually are so that you don't feel like you have to pretend to be someone mm-hmm. or you're caught up in imposter syndrome because yeah. you will be found out um, for being someone that you're not because maybe it's actually not who you really are designed to be. I think, and sometimes with feedback, um, I think being in a in a work environment, even those that are tough, like you can be in a role that you were created to be in that aligns with your strengths and your talents and your your personality and the way you're wired and all of that. And it still be tough some days and you still have stress because of um, new experiences that are maybe putting a demand on your potential. And yeah. so I think it's important to understand even in one that you have to identify who you are, but two. You can be in a great role and still not necessarily wake up like, ah, oh, it's time to go to work today because maybe there's a big presentation that you have or there's a task that you're being asked to do that you've never done before. And yeah. so being able to sort through those things to determine, is this really unhealthy or is this something new that I haven't done and I'm a little afraid that I'm going to fail yeah. or is that this thing that I'm doing is misaligned to who I am? And it's like, it's suffocating or really stifling my ability to really um, be at peace Yeah. in my workspace. Being able to decipher through all of those are important, which is why I think coaching, you know, being a coach like you are, um, it is so important. Being able to also have a therapist that is qualified and capable to help you really think through and unpack what you're feeling and how you're processing things matters so much because if yes. you only are in environments where you're comfortable, where every day feels like it's sunshine, you know, <laughs> flowers blooming, like that's cool. But I would challenge, are you growing? Mm, like, are you, yeah. have you limited your ability to grow because you just want to be comfortable? And yeah. when you are growing at the, um, to the degree of your capacity, it is uncomfortable. And so being able to decipher between joy and happiness and comfort and growth and, you know, all of these pieces together, it takes more than just one person being in their own, you know, head or in your own mind trying to figure it out alone. Yes. Very, very good points. I feel that everything you said is so spot on because when you don't take the time to really do some self-reflection and tease things out like this, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you could be the toxic person. You could be the toxic person because you are looking for this job to you. Maybe, maybe you have unrealistic expectations for what this job is supposed to be. Um, You're trying to make the job fit into a box that it just doesn't fit into. And so it's important that we look at things as they are, not as we wish them to be. Uh, so I love everything that you said <laughs> about 
I've looked what you just said. It's important to see things as they are and not how we wish they were. Like yes. that is so important. And something that I've had to learn was that like we're in a day and age where, you know, there, there's so many people, many people who are awakening their gifts and their expertise and their skills into entrepreneurial lanes. And yes. so we have you know, people who are, who are side gigging and um, who are part-time entrepreneurs and just a whole lot of stuff in between contractors, freelancers while working something full-time. And I used to believe that um, the, your passion, whatever you're passionate about, you can make, or you should be able to make a full-time income in that thing. Yeah. And, but today I would say everything is not supposed to be monetized. Hmm. Everything is supposed to be monetized. Hmm. You could you monetize as much as you you could, but I would ask you, do you have, do you have joy and peace? You know, how are you feeling after going that route? And yeah. I think it's okay to keep things that you're passionate about that are connected to your purpose as that. And yeah. it doesn't have to be monetized for you to feel, um, to, to make you feel more worthy yeah. that this is the thing that you're being called to do. I believe there is a space where your passion and your purpose and your skill set can all connect. And that is, you know, producing a, an income that provides the level of lifestyle that you desire. However, I don't believe that it needs to be all in this one bucket or that people should just be pursuing this idea that whatever you can do, find a way to monetize it and you'll be happy. No, you won't. Mm. You you may have a few more dollars, but you may also, that may lead to more burnout or yeah. to you trying to figure out what really matters most. And so I think being able to understand that work, you know, there's a book um, and I haven't gotten through all of it. Um, I will share this with you after, after the show, but there's a book that talks about this and the writer spoke about how, you know, work is work is work and how you can have a space where you're working in a capacity, not that's negatively impacting you, right? Or that is toxic and, and all of these things, but you can have a space where you're working to, to work, to make sure that your livelihood is provided for, your bills are taken care of. And then you can also have a space where you explore your hobbies, your interests, your passions, and you do that. And maybe that's monetized or maybe it's not. But when you put those together, maybe you feel whole and healthy and peaceful and sound because you're contributing, you're connected, and you are, you know, continuing to do something that allows you to have the lifestyle that you desire. I love it. I love it. Now, before we get off, we have to touch on this because we kind of brushed against it a little bit, but a lot of people, let's demystify something for our listeners right quick. A lot of people feel that, you know, after having numerous toxic work experiences or um, just being treated, you know, like they're not valuable, just different things that people go through at work that, Somehow they process it like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take everything I love. I'm going to monetize it. And I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That is the solution to my problem. If I don't want to be in a toxic work environment, I just need to work for myself. That is me, myself, and I. Let's do it. So, yeah, I don't even know how I want to say the question. It's basically. Okay, let's look at entrepreneurship as a toxic workplace culture all its own. There we go. I'll say it that way. 
And we'll, I'll say, finish this sentence. Entrepreneurship is a wonderful thing. I mean, we're two entrepreneurs talking, but there are some ways that, especially when you're just trying to get the freaking thing off the ground, just trying to get the plane in the air, <laughs> that's the time when entrepreneurship can feel the most toxic. Um, so yeah, just kind of talk to some people out there. What tips would you have to give people for when entrepreneurship feels toxic too? Mm. I think, I think um, that is such a good question. I think it's important to define or identify what toxic means to you mm-hmm. because um, there is not, it may not be that there's just some, you know, clear definition, it's cookie cutter, this is, um, this is toxic. What's toxic for you is what's toxic for me. That may not be true. Right. And so there are some things, right? If it's something where it's abusive or, you know, things like that, like, yes, those are cut and dry. Right. But there are other avenues where um, the meaning may not be the same across each person. And so what I would say to someone who, um, one, is coming out of a toxic work environment or workplace, and they believe entrepreneurship is their answer, is their silver bullet, is their way out. <laughs> I ask them, um, you know, have you have you chosen entrepreneurship because you believe that'll make you feel more worthy? Mm-hmm. Because if you're going, I believe if you're going on a path to become an entrepreneur because you're trying to prove to your bad boss or your whoever that told you you were never going to be more than whatever mm. that I'm, you know, if you're trying to prove something and you're trying to find worthiness through entrepreneurship, I don't know if you will find that feeling there. Mm. What I found is that if you are fee having feelings of being unworthy, then that's something that you can, I mean, that you may be working through that, you know, journey, I don't know, throughout the lifetime. It may not be something that you ever arrive to. I actually believe that we, as we grow in our purpose, we understand more about ourselves and we all are working on something, no matter whether we are the most successful entrepreneur or we are somewhere in the middle stages of our careers or we're at the beginning. All of us are still working through something. And so, I would say that if you are, you know, if you feel your worthiness has been diminished or you have felt valued through the environment or the leader that you've been working with, then do that work to heal. Do that work to heal yourself so that when you enter into entrepreneurship, which can be a beautiful thing and provide freedom and flexibility and create, give you the opportunity to create generational wealth and so many beautiful things, you're not doing it fueled by something that's going to fall out. Mm. Entrepreneurship, you know, if you're feeling unworthy, you're going to deal with rejection. Okay. So you thought you were feeling unworthy before. (laughs) you are not done with learning the lesson that your worth is invaluable. Like the one thing I don't like that some people say is that you need to charge your worth or you need, they need to pay you your worth. Like baby, your worth is priceless. You are invaluable. (laughs) There's not a number that can accurately reflect your value. But I've heard another um, coach say it this way. They can pay you your rate. Yes. Your rate requirement. 
And so it's like, you know, when you think about entrepreneurship, you know, if you're trying to feel worthy, then it doesn't matter if you have million dollar offers, if you haven't decided or done the work to understand that you're invaluable, that million dollar offer won't be enough. That $10 million business won't be enough. Your, you know, multi-million dollar, your cars, your planes, your boats, your homes, it will not be enough to resolve what's happening internally. And so you got to do your work, whether you do your work as an employee, an entrepreneur, both. Um, you have to be committed to that journey. And then on the side of toxicity, once you've defined what toxic means, really uphold your boundaries within yourself. Because with an employer, right, it, it may be, let's say it's um, work-life balance is one of the struggles as yeah. working as an employee. And your boss calls you on, on your time off or on your vacations. You never have, you know, actual time for yourself. And right. so then you're like annoyed. Like I'm taking my laptop <laughs> on vacation. I got to have my phone ready, I'm, you know, and that can absolutely become toxic and unhealthy if you don't set a boundary. Right. But an employer can make a call. They can send an email. It's up to you whether or not you respond and when you respond. And so sometimes when you've been in an environment that's lacked boundaries, then it becomes toxic, not because it was, but because you did not have a boundary that you held up. And so even in entrepreneurship, you have to decide what your boundaries will be, what your standards are and stick. Because if you don't, then the thing that you thought was your way out will be your way into something deeper that you have to then dig out of. It won't be the way out. It'll be what you have to dig out of. (laughs) And so that's the advice that I would, I would share, you know, on that. Awesome. 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 So you see guys, that boundaries, that B word is coming up again. Even if you're your own boss, you still have to have boundaries, a life without boundaries, Toxic things can slip in there, you know, because you're not practicing self-care. You're not taking care of yourself. You're, everyone should not have access to you all the time. You teach people how to treat you. Even as an entrepreneur, you teach your customers how to treat you. So you got to do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of inner work to be an employee and definitely to be a boss. All right, y'all. So we are wrapping up our discussion on ways to avoid a toxic workplace um, culture. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about in the workplace itself. And then we even talked about some elements of entrepreneurship as well. Uh, What are some things that you would say to people who just came out of? So they did all the steps you mentioned before and they were not able to come to a resolution and they just came out of a toxic workplace. And you said some of the advice in another question, but any parting words for how they can prepare their heart and mind so that when they go to a new destination, they don't bring some of that toxic residue with them. Ooh, this is a good (laughs) question. Um, So one, I would say, remember that you... um, you're valuable, right? Yeah. Like you're, you may not have felt valuable. You may not have felt valued or appreciated or even seen or heard in the last role you were in. That does not diminish what your value really is. So don't, don't equate what, how someone else may have treated you to who you really are. 
because that's not true. It's not real. Um, it was one, number one. Number two, I would say get mental um, health support. So yeah. whether that through a um, licensed clinical social worker, or a therapist, psychologist, could even be a psychiatrist um, that needs to also assist depending upon the state you're in. I think it's important to create a baseline for what's really going on in your body. So physically and also mentally as you transition, because sometimes when you're in an environment that's unhealthy, there are things happening that you're not even aware of and that you have not even tended to because you were in such a state of just survival in this place you were in. So make sure that you are assessing, you know, where you are mentally and physically to get support for that. Number three, I would say don't lose hope. Mm. Don't lose hope because for um, many who have been in environments that were unhealthy, there can be this feeling that, oh my gosh, ain't nobody going to treat, treat me right. Mm-hmm. They ain't yeah. going to pay, pay what my rate needs to be. They're going to be underappreciating me. You could just go into this whole <laughs> cycle of negativity and that yeah. can cause you to lose hope and don't lose hope because there is, there is a place for you. The work that you do is valuable. It's needed. And there is a place where you can truly thrive if you don't give up. So look for those, look for those opportunities where as you are clear about your purpose and the vision that you hold for your life and where you want your career to go, align with those desires or those skills that you need to build. Even if your desire long-term is entrepreneurship, you got to develop some leadership Mm -hmm. and developing leadership means you have to learn how to, you know, have difficult conversations, how to manage people, how to train, how to develop, how to resolve problems, how to do a lot of things that you may or may not have had experience doing, depending upon Mm -hmm. what your role was. And so many of those things are lifelong growth pieces that you continue to you know, improve on, you don't just arrive, you continue growing. And so I would say, you know, that piece for number three, number four would just be to get support. Don't, Mm. don't do it alone. So whether that's looking for a career coach, a life coach, um, a coach that maybe specializes in the area that you want to go into next in your career, get somebody that can help you mentor you. If you can't afford to invest in a coach one-on-one or in a group program, start reading books, listening to podcasts like this, that give you access to information that can allow you to think differently about what's available to you in your future, in your work or in your business and in your overall quality of life. Awesome. 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 That is a great note to end on. And before we get out of here, why don't you let us know anything you're working on and how people can connect with you? Oh my gosh. So I, um, I have books that are available. They're available at my website. Um, if you go to wakeupyourgift.com, www.wakeupyourgift.com, there are books available. There are journals. They're also available on Amazon. If you search Nikita Lawrence and you can get connected with me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We have enjoyed you and your amazing nuggets of wisdom and come back and see us anytime you want. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it and have enjoyed the discussion as well. Thank you. All right, you all. Thank you all for tuning in to the Victorious Living Solutions podcast. Make sure that you stop by and pick up our free quiz Is this relationship toxic? And you can grab that at victoriouslivingsolutions.com slash toxic. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Keep living victoriously. Bye, everybody. Uh